everyone. I'm back. Welcome to another episode. Today I want to talk about my childhood and looking back and trying to figure out what my childhood autistic traits were. Because when I first went into this whole business, I didn't think I had any, really. Like, I thinking about like the stereotypical child that you think of with autism when I looked back on my own childhood I was like no like no I didn't I no there I couldn't be autistic because I did not have any signs in my youth in my childhood um but I was wrong (laughs) so I want to talk about a few of the things that I've uncovered and discovered as I've learned more about how autism actually does present in young girls. So um, I will start with the fact that I was gifted. um, And I think this is common amongst the autism community in general, um, where, you know, it seems like there's two ends of this. It's like, there are a lot of very bright autistic children, um, such as my daughter. My daughter's a good example of this. Um, Very bright, but she has a lot of learning disabilities, um, like dyslexia, dyscalculia. Um, She has auditory processing issues, um, disorder, I guess they call it disorder. Um, I hate the word disorder. Um, So she has a very hard time in school because of that, because of her learning differences and learning disabilities. Um, and then there's the other end of things where it's like some autistic people are quote unquote gifted and find school very easy academically. And I was in that category. Um, I did, I found school extremely easy from an academic standpoint, um, they wanted me to skip third grade. My parents didn't allow me to do that for reasons I'm not really sure of. Um, and I don't know if that was a detriment or a help to me. Like, how would it have turned out? Would it have been better if I had skipped a grade or would it have been worse? I'm not sure, but either way, um, that almost happened. I started reading at a very, very young age. I've always had an intense interest in words and letters and writing and even numbers to an extent. I wasn't a huge like math um, savant or anything like that, but um, math always came pretty easily to me. I'm really good at memorizing things. So like memorizing my times tables, my divisions tables, my, you know, math facts, all of that um, was always very easy to me. Um, I kind of flew through school, my elementary years anyway. Um, Junior high and high school got more difficult for me because of other reasons that were not related to like my academic ability, but I need to do an episode on that probably separately. Um, But either way, that was one sign where on its own, that's not necessarily a sign of autism, but it's just like everything related to autism. Like there are a lot of neurotypical people that have some traits, but like having one or two of these isn't the same as having like a hundred of these traits, you know, all together. So 
um, on its own giftedness, not a symptom or an indicator, I guess would be a better word of autism. But, uh, for me adding on some of these other things I'm going to talk about, um, could have been a good indicator. Um, so the next one is that I used to watch the same movies and read the same books over and over, um, to the point where I had them all memorized, all of my favorite movies and books. Uh, I still have my favorite books from childhood, by the way. Um, and I had this set of Disney books that I still have, and I really liked them because I liked the stories, but I also liked them because the spines were numbered. And I liked that because I could put them in order. And I really liked putting things in order and arranging things like that. So that was another sign, I guess, um, now that I'm talking about it. Yeah, that was definitely probably a thing. And like encyclopedias too were always very satisfying to me because they were alphabetically ordered and you could put them in order if they were out of order that was not okay um and everybody had encyclopedias back in the day this is the 80s so this is like there was no google if you wanted to know something you had to like look it up in the encyclopedia so um yeah one of my favorite movies was Wee's big adventure i don't know if anyone's ever seen this movie but it's super weird i mean if you know who Wee herman is you can already guess that the movie was pretty weird, but it just is very telling <laughs> that that was my favorite movie growing up, or one of my favorite movies. Another one was Splash with Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks, where she's a mermaid, and that is because I was obsessed with mermaids when I was a kid. Completely obsessed with mermaids when I was a kid. So, um, another sign is that I had no real desire for friendships for a very long time. Um, I, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, my friends outside of school were really like my mom's friends, kids. So like my mom had a friend and she had a daughter and that was my friend because my mom and her mom would hang out. So she and I would hang out like that was the thing. But as far as like having friends at school or like pursuing friendships or anything, I just didn't, I don't know. I just wasn't interested. I was happy with, um, playing by myself. I would spend a lot of time at our neighbor's house across the street. Um, their names were Walt and Dorothy. They were an older couple and I loved hanging out with them. And they had a lot of knickknacks in their house that were very interesting to me. They had a ton of refrigerator magnets that they would let me arrange in different fashions for them, which was also an example of me liking to arrange things. And uh, they had a really cool backyard with like lots of cool like plants and trees and I don't know. Their house was just cool and they were cool. Walt and Dorothy. Hmm. Anyway, so yeah, definitely. Oh, I also spent a lot of time with my grandma. I loved the crap out of my grandma when I was a kid. Like, I just wanted to hang out with her all the time. We would bake. Um, she would, she's very, like, artsy, so she would, you know, we would do craft projects together, and we'd go for walks, and, oh, I just loved hanging out with my grandma so much. So that was me as a kid. Um, I felt real comfortable with adults. Um, 
not as comfortable with kids. I could play with other kids. I played with my mom's friend's daughter. Her name was Shannon. We would play Super Mario Brothers and Tetris all day. Because that was back in the day, you know, original Nintendo. It was great. Um, but as far as like seeking out and pursuing friendships or feeling lost without them, that definitely was not me. Um, also, I was highly, highly imaginative. Still am to this day. Um, sometimes this um, affects me negatively because I tend to catastrophize a lot and think about every negative aspect of every scenario and every little thing that could go wrong. And I not only think about it, but I can make up some pretty elaborate examples and stories of things that can go wrong in my mind. And I see all the details and I'm, it's very, uh, no wonder I have anxiety. That's all I'm going to say. Um, cause this is what my brain does, but either way, it's not always negative. I've always been a person who, um, creates very detailed stories in my mind. Um, as a child, this sometimes manifested as it looking like I was spacing out or daydreaming. Um, I definitely had teachers who would say that like on my report cards or who would tell my teacher or tell my teacher, tell my parents that, you know, maybe I wasn't always paying attention in class, but like I said, I was excelling in school. So it's not like, it's not like I wasn't paying attention. I just, I don't know. Sometimes I just spaced out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I still do that. I'll just stare off into space, just in my own world. It's great. I don't mind it at all. Um, another thing, and this is a thing that I did not know. So these other things that I've um, listed off so far are like things when I think back and like reading about other people's stories about autism and how it can present in, in young girls often include me in on a lot of these things but there are some things that I didn't know that I've had to ask my mom about because um you know like even though I have a really good memory of my childhood like I remember a lot of things and from a very young age um it's still hard to like objectively remember like I only remember from my own point of view and there are a lot of things that my mom told me that I was not aware of um and one of the things was that she said that I was very, like, almost detached. And when I asked her to elaborate, I'm not sure if detached is the right word. Um, because detached makes it seem like I was, like, shut off or, like, not emotional which isn't true. But I didn't have a very wide emotional range as a child, and I still kind of don't. Um, there are times when, um, like if I get upset, I usually get very upset, but like on a day-to-day -day basis, um, I guess I don't outwardly show a wide emotional range and that's how I was as a kid. So my mom said I could, I would basically sort of, I was kind of, I was quiet on the quiet side. I did a lot of observing. I was sort of always like, I was never in the middle of things. I was always on the outside on the edge looking in watching observing um and you know I'm still kind of like that so that didn't surprise me but like it kind of did because as a kid like I don't really remember 
being like that, but it makes a lot of sense that I would be like that since I'm like that as an adult. I mean, I guess it would make sense that I was like that as a child. Of course, there were moments when I was a child when I could be very silly and, um, you know, like really funny and, you know, like a regular kid, but I think for the most part, um, I acted a lot more adult, it seems, and I really didn't outwardly express emotion readily. So that was a thing. Um, also, I didn't like to be touched or held or cuddled. Even in infancy, my mom said that she would be trying to like feed me, like breastfeed me when I was literally like an infant and I would push her away. Like I didn't, like it was too close. And as a toddler, I would like squirm away. As a kid, I didn't really want to cuddle. Um, and I'm still that way as an adult touch and being even too near to people, um, really makes me, it does make me anxious. That's one of my things is, is touch or, um, well, I don't know because, so I do like hugs. Hugs are fine. If I know you and if you don't like smell bad, (laughs) like I don't mind a hug. I actually really prefer a hug to a handshake. Like I hope hands, I hope the handshake it went away with COVID and I hope it never comes back because I hate handshaking. Please don't try and shake my hand. I don't want to touch your hand. I don't like it. I don't know how to say no though when someone wants to shake my hand because it's perceived at least in America as very rude if someone were to shake your hand and you were like, no thanks, I'm good. Like what do you say to get out of a handshake? I don't know. If anyone has ideas, please tell me because I hate shaking hands. Oh, it's one of the worst things. Yuck. So, um, but hugs are okay. Like, hugs are fine. But I think also touch on my own terms is what I like most. So it's not that I don't like touch. It's just that I want it the way I want it when I want it. So like, I love hugging my partner. And my partner gives good, like nice, tight, squeezy hugs. And they feel so relaxing to me. It's like one of the most calm places I can be is like hugging my partner. This sounds really cheesy, but it's true. Um, and my mom, I've always loved hugging my mom, even as a teenager, as a kid, like I remember going up to her and just giving her big hugs, but then I'm done. Like, I don't want to linger and cuddle and snuggle. And when someone's like, laying on you or leaning against you or like it's just very it can be overwhelming and weird also when I'm in public does anyone else have this this is a thing I wonder I don't like people even being near me like too near it's like I can feel that person like if I'm at the store and someone's standing too close to me it makes me extremely uncomfortable and anxious it's like I can feel their energy coming at me. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Especially if they're behind me, like in a line or something. Ugh. Don't like it. And I feel like this is what makes me most anxious about crowds. I know for a lot of autistics, it's like the noise aspect of crowds, which I don't have a huge problem with that type of noise, um, really, in most cases. Um, 
but in crowds, it is just the feeling of people around me. Um, because I feel like I can feel everyone's presence and it's too many people. <laughs> if that makes any sense to anyone, or if you also feel that way, I would love to know because I feel very curious if anyone else has that particular issue. Um, and okay, so the last thing in my childhood was it seems that I did have meltdowns as a child. So as I said in my meltdowns episode, this is a thing that has always happened to me. Um, but I don't remember it happening as a child. I have no recollection of ever having a meltdown or even, I don't even think I remember a time in my childhood that I cried. I never remember crying as a child. Is that weird? Because I have a very good memory of my childhood, as I said. So it's odd to me that I don't remember ever crying or being outwardly upset. Um, but my mom says that despite the fact that I was very quote-unquote detached or just like even-keeled, um, not a big emotional range, whatever, she said that I did sometimes have these fits, she called them fits, where she, I was over the top upset and I, she could not calm me down. And I'm like, oh, and you know, as a new parent and she was a young mom, like she had me when she was 20, I was her first child. And it's like, looking back on all these things now, it's like, okay, in hindsight, maybe all of this stuff was kind of odd, but like, in the moment, and especially when autism or neurodiversity wasn't being talked about um, at all, like very openly, or if it was, it was like Rain Man. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like a household thing. It wasn't like a lot of people have this. Um, it's like you look back and you're like, oh, okay. But in the moment, she didn't know. She was just like, oh, I guess Melissa's upset or she's having a tantrum, I guess. I don't know. Like, but they, it doesn't seem like they were tantrums. It wasn't, you know, a, um, me trying to get my way or, you know, anything like that. It was just, I feel like it's the same as me in adulthood. And this is exactly what happens. It's like, I don't really know how to process emotions that are going on internally. Um, I will, you know, feel upset inside sometimes about things, but like, I don't know, I don't really know how to describe it, but it just sort of piles up until it, there's nowhere left to store anything else. And that's where something small can set me off and into like meltdown mode where I'll seem extremely upset or angry or whatever over a small thing, something perceived as small to others. But to me, it's just the, the straw that broke the camel's back, as they say, which I've never really understood that saying, but I say it anyway. So there you go. Um... So yeah, those are just some examples. I'm sure I could think of more, but I don't want to make this episode too long. But those are the biggest ones that come to mind when looking back on my childhood and being like, oh, okay, like, yeah, yeah, there were some some things there that were different about me. Um, I always attributed them to other things. Um, but that comes with a lot of these things that I'm finding out about myself. Like, oh, like, this... <laughs> again, we're back to the, to the, the name of this podcast is like, oh, that like, that's just my autism. 
that's what it is. That's what it's been this whole time. Like, I'm not just weird or broken. Not that I think weird is a bad thing. And not that broken is necessarily a bad thing either. But it's just so good to have a name for this. And have a place to put it all nice and neat in this box of autism and organize it in there and line it up and be like, here we go. This is what this is. You know what I mean? So anyway, I hope you guys could relate to some of this stuff. Um, I'm really having, (laughs) it sounds weird, but I'm really having a good time sort of exploring myself and my past and connecting all of these dots it's really helping me to make a lot of sense of a lot of things that have been confusing to me my whole life. And so that feels really great. And although like when I look back and I think, you know, some things, some aspects of my life could have been easier had someone known that this is what was going around, going around, going on with me. Um, particularly in my adolescent and teenage years, I had a real struggle in childhood. I kind of just was oblivious and I was, I was having a good time with my neighbors, Walt and Dorothy and my grandma. Like I didn't really care that I wasn't a regular person, but as I progressed into teenage years and really started, um, kids start getting meaner and you start noticing some of your differences sometimes or trying to hide them. And that's when things got more rough for me. And uh, also in adulthood, it would have been nice to know, especially in my 20s, man. My 20s were rough for many reasons. And had I known, I feel like it, my life would have been much easier to manage, I guess is the way to say it. But that's not what happened. And here I am at 41 looking back and it's okay. It's all good. Like it is what it is. There's no going back now. And so I'm just taking it from here and moving forward with this knowledge. And I have a lot of years left, hopefully knock on wood. I'm going to knock on wood right now. Cause I am very, I'm superstitious and, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to moving on with my life with this knowledge in my pocket because it it's already making things a lot easier and helping me helping me be a lot more forgiving of myself and uh understanding of myself and yeah I think that's all I have to say about this I hope you guys like this one if you did let me know and oh if you're listening on an app that allows you to leave a rating or a review, please do so because it'll help other people find me. That's what they say anyway, that if you have a lot of ratings and reviews, that your podcast is goes up on the algorithm or whatever. I don't know how it works. I just know that that's what they told me. And by they, I mean other podcasts who are asking people for reviews all the time. And I do give the podcast that I like, my review. So if you do the same for me, that would be great and awesome. And I appreciate you. And thanks for listening. And I'm going to be done rambling and talking now because I have a hard time ending episodes sometimes. And this is one of those times and I don't know how to end things. So I'm just going to end by saying goodbye.